Amen. Good evening, everybody. I will say this. Some people was listening because I had a lot of eye contact when I left. People left out of here. A lot of people right in my face making sure that they told me that they loved me. And I appreciate that. You know what? Miss Linda was right on me, but no. <laughs> no, I had some good when Tim Wright started it off. Uh, but I do appreciate that. And, and you know, doesn't it feel good when somebody cares about you? Doesn't it feel good when somebody wants to talk to you and not just kind of brush you off? I mean, that feels good to me when somebody actually wants and cares about what I'm actually saying. You may not care about what I'm saying right now, but you've stuck listening for at least 35, right? Okay, we have some guests and uh, welcome uh, guests. We're glad you're here and we're glad that you came to worship with us tonight. If you would turn to 1 Samuel chapter 24 is where we'll be this evening. 1 Samuel chapter 24 and we're going to continue looking at the life of David, the study on David, the man after God's own heart. And uh, when we last uh, left last week, we were in 1 Samuel chapter 22, and we looked at the first five verses of David being in the cave. We didn't go any further in that, but what we see that happens is from David going to the priest and getting the holy bread, Saul finds out about it and ends up killing all the priests. And in 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 21, uh, Abathar told David that Saul had killed the Lord's priests. So David said to Abathar, I knew that day when Doeg the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul, I have caused the death of all the persons of your father's house. Stay with me, do not fear, for he who seeks my life, shall, uh, life seeks your life, but with me you shall be safe. David had caused the death of all the priests. David felt bad about it. He knew that he had done something wrong because remember, the whole deal was set up on a lie. The whole deal was set up on a lie and because of that he caused the death of these priests. And now we're skipping on into uh, chapter 24, and this is the first time that we see David actually spares Saul's life. Saul is on the hunt to kill David. Saul is on the hunt to take care of this problem that's lingering, this thorn in his side. And Saul is about to take care of him, but what we'll find out, it actually turns out quite the opposite way. David ends up sparing Saul's life. And I want us to consider some things. We see David growing through some tough situations. We see David that is turning not only into uh, this man after God's own heart, but now he's turning more into this leadership role. You remember those people that were down, those people that were out came to David. And he became their captain, it said. And now he's leading this crew. He's leading this a group of men who are devoted to him. And he's becoming this leader. And, and we're going to see, I just want to look at three things tonight. And I want to just kind of use that as the, the title, uh, the leadership. What it means to be a good leader. 
elders, deacons, Christians, what it means to be a good spiritual leader. What are the things that need to be a part of our life for us to be able to be a good leader, even at your work? What are those qualities that need to happen for you to be able to be successful as a leader and for people to want to follow you? You know, if you're not a good leader, guess what? People ain't going to follow you, right? If you don't have a good basketball, football, baseball coach, what ends up happening? The team ends up being terrible, right? Uh, If you don't have the right people in the right position, it doesn't go the right way. So we need good leaders. We need Christian leaders, amen? Let's look at this. Let's look at the first seven uh, verses, and then we'll kind of talk about it. Now it happened. When Saul had returned from following the Philistines, that it was told him, saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and went to see David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road, and there was a cave. And Saul went in to attend to his needs. David and his men were staying in the recess of the cave. Then the men, David, said to him, This is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. You know, it's tough when we have uh, tough situations in our lives. You know it? It's tough when somebody's done something wrong to you that you don't just immediately get them, right? Especially if you hadn't really done anything to them. Huh? You ever been in that situation? Somebody is mad at you because they said you've done something and you really haven't done it. But boy, they want to go all out to try and get you, right? To try and bring you down. That's a tough situation to be in. It's a tough situation, and that's what uh, position David finds himself. But brethren, here's some comfort and information for us. It comes from James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4. It says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You know, we're all going to go through these trials. We're going to go through these tough times. And this is very repetitive as we look at David. But what we see is, you know, we can talk about these trials. We can talk about persevering through these tough situations. But when you actually look at the life of David, you see how he handles it. You see how he does it. You see how he works through the tough situations as a human being, messing up, 
doing the wrong thing, saying the wrong thing. But guess what? When it comes right down to it, we know this because we know what the Bible says about David. He was a man after God's own heart. So when he messed up, he repented. When he messed up and did the things that he wasn't supposed to do, he said, Lord, forgive me. And look at this situation. Here we are. Saul has gone into the same cave that they're at. (laughs) They're in there hiding, and here comes Saul, the one who wants to kill him, into the same cave. Now, what do you think his men think? What would you think? The Lord has delivered your guy right into the cave. you got to take care of him. Here it is. Here's your chance. Here is your chance to get him for what he's done to you and you won't have to worry about the situation anymore. But what does David do? What does David do? He's a leader. He's following God. And the first thing that I want us to understand, and this is a big word for me, brethren, but this is a true word. David understands and respects the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God. Look at this in Deuteronomy 4.39. It says, Therefore know this day and consider it in your heart that the Lord Himself is God in heaven. Above and on the earth beneath there is no other. God is almighty. And God is the one who put Saul as the king. And because of that, David understands who did that. Look at what he says. Look at verse 3. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave. And Saul went in to attend to his needs. David and his men were staying in the recess of the cave. And David's men said, This is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand that you may do to him as it seems good to you. So David arises up. He gets up and he goes and cuts off a corner of Saul's robe. He cuts it off and then he comes back. And then he starts thinking about it. Y'all ever been peer pressured to do something? Somebody ever peer pressured you to do something and you really didn't want to do it, but you went ahead and went along with it? You found yourself... Ah, it's already too late. I've already given in. So guess what? I'll just, I mean, I'll I'll get forgiveness later on or whatever. I'll kind of work it out later on as we go. Here was David. The men understand that Saul wants to kill him. They're hiding. He goes in and they say, there he is. Let's get him. Go ahead right now. You have the opportunity to do it. So David goes and cuts his robe off. This is a well-known story for us. But listen to this application. Then David feels bad. Why does he feel bad? Why does he feel bad? Look at verse 5. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut off Saul's robe. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, to the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. I'm not going to kill him. I'm not going to do anything to him. 
Now that is totally against what I probably would have been telling him. I probably would have said, look, David, we got to take care of him right now. We can do it and we can go on. We can go on and do what we got to do. And you can be the king. You're already anointed. Let's go ahead and get it over with right now. But David says, "Mm -mm. mm-mm, mm-mm. I'm not supposed to do that. Why am I not supposed to do that? Because God said not to do it. Amen? So what does he do? He tells his men, he restrains his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. What a great leader. Showing an understanding and showing patience in a tough situation. Man, you, could you just put yourself in that situation and have the emotions that probably were running within David and his men as here is the guy that's wanting to kill you in the cave with you, right? I'm just going to say this, and, and I'm not proud of this, but this is a, a true uh, emotion, and some of you may understand it. I remember some time ago when I was, actually a long time ago, I played basketball. And uh, there was a guy on another team, and me and him got into a little bit of a situation. And what happened was, uh, I didn't really like the guy, and he really didn't like me, and we found ourselves always talking trash. Well, we got into a, a little bit of a scuffle. We both got kicked out of the game, and then I didn't see him until the next year. Now, when I saw him that next year, my emotions were pumping I was nervous, I was anxious because I was about to see this guy. And you know what? I ended up not even getting to play because of some other stuff. But my emotions, uh, if they weren't taken care of in the right way, could have led me to do something that I wasn't supposed to do, right? So here's David in this situation, knowing who... Saul is and what he's about to do. And now his men are saying, come on, David. Let's just do it and get it over with. And what does he do? He holds off. He says, no, that's not right. And we're going to see as this continues, David's mindset and what it's on. He's controlling himself in the tough situations. What an application for us, brethren. It shows us that we can make it through these tough times. When we're down and out, when we're struggling to not be able to make it, when we don't know really what's happening, when we don't really understand or we think we can get revenge on somebody, we need to be patient to make sure that it's God's will. Amen? Now look at this. Let's keep reading. Verse 8. So he tells his men to stop and hold off. And now in verse 8 he says, David also arose afterward, went out of the cave, and called out to Saul, saying, My Lord the King. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed down. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men who say, Indeed David seeks you harm? Look this day, your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you today into my hand in the cave. And someone urged me to kill you, but my eyes spared you. And I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for He is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, see, yes, see the corner of your robe in my hand, for in that I cut off the corner of your robe 
and did not kill you. Know and see that there is neither either evil nor rebellion in my hand. I have not sinned against you. Yet you hunt my life to take it. Let the Lord judge between you and me. And let the Lord avenge me on you. But my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb of the ancient says, Wickedness proceeds from the wicked. But my hand shall not be against you. After whom has the king of Israel come out? Whom do you pursue? A dead dog? A flea? Therefore let the judge, the Lord be judge and judge between you and me. And see and plead my case and deliver me out of your hand. Wow, what a powerful area. Here was David sparing his life. But he doesn't just let him go. He goes ahead and, and brings it to an actual time where they're going to talk. He arises up and he says, My Lord, the King. The second thing that I want us to consider... is that David understood the sovereignty of God which made him a good leader, especially spiritually speaking. But the second thing is he understood that he was continuing this perseverance through suffering. He says, my Lord the King. How hard do you think it was for David to stoop down uh, with his face to the earth and bow down to him? Probably not very hard because guess what? He understood who Saul was. Saul hadn't, he hadn't done anything to Saul. He hadn't been, uh, he hadn't done any evil things to Saul. So therefore, him bowing down was showing the respect that he was supposed to show. He says, why do you listen to the words of men who say indeed David seeks your harm? You know, we can apply this actually to what we was talking about uh, in class this morning about Paul. Same situation. Consider it all joy when you face these various trials, right? We are going to face tough situations. We are going to face times where we don't really know the answer. Sometimes we're going to face situations where people make you look real bad. He says, why do you listen to the words of men who say indeed David seeks your harm? Look, this day your eyes have seen the Lord, that the Lord delivered you into my hand in this cave. And someone told me to kill you. But I didn't. I didn't kill you. I didn't stretch out my hand to the anointed one. Moreover, he says, my father, yes, see the corner of your robe in my hand, but I haven't sinned against you. I let you live. I wanted you to see that I was so close and I could have done it and it would have been over, but I didn't. But you hunt my life to take it. You want to kill me. That has to be a tough situation to go through, understanding that somebody wants to take your life. I've never been put in that type of situation. It has to be hard, though, to be able to know that somebody wants to kill you. They want you dead. From the time David is anointed king, he endures great suffering. 
And the most and most of his suffering is either self-inflicted or it comes from Saul. But what's so encouraging is that the suffering that David faced was only helping to mold David to be the man that he was. And think about this. We talked about it at the very beginning of these lessons. Every king after David was compared to him. Every single king was compared to David. David became the mark. Because he understood that he was going to face trials and he persevered through it. Boy, that's repetitious, isn't it? But boy, it's something that we got to have and understand. 1 Peter 2.20 says, For what credit is it if, when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and you suffer, Eric read it this morning, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. Look at verse 15. Therefore, let the Lord be judge and judge between you and me and see and plead my case and deliver me out of your hand. The Lord was going to be with David and David knew it. Now, did he get nervous? Did he get unsure at times? Absolutely. But he said, let the Lord be the judge. Not you, not me. Let's let the Lord be the judge and we'll see who's guilty or who's innocent because I know I haven't done anything to you. But Lord, why are you putting all this stuff on me? Do you not like me? It's something that I've done, right? Why has God put all this stuff on me and I can't even hardly handle it? I want us to think about the next, hold on to that thought and I want you to think about what Saul says to David in verse 16. So it was, when David had finished speaking these words to Saul, that Saul said, Is this your voice, my son, David? And this does make me emotional because it puts me, I feel bad for Saul sometimes. I feel bad for him sometimes. Look at what happens. Saul lifted up his voice and wept. All these tough situations, Saul's aiming and trying to get at David over and over and over again. And David is doing the right thing. You remember we looked at those types of studies. He behaved wisely in all his ways over and over. He set in this example. And then look at what Saul says to him. Saul, the one who wants to kill him. He says, you are more righteous than I. For you have rewarded me with good, whereas I have rewarded you with evil. And you have shown this day how you have dealt with me. For when the Lord delivered me into your hand, you did not kill me. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him get away safely? Therefore, may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. 
The third thing that I want us to consider is God, while He loves us, while He cares for us, God expects something out of us. And a good leader understands servanthood. God knew that David was a man after God's own heart. You know, I, and I can only use me as an example, so just bear with me as I use these illustrations, but they're true. They're not a lie, I promise you. When I very first started printing, I started at the lowest position. And I worked myself up. And did I mess up? Yes. Did I say bad things? Yes. Did I do things that I probably shouldn't have done? Yes. But one thing that I understood was when I worked and did the right thing and had respect for the bosses, it didn't come right then. But guess what? Eventually, before I knew it, 15 years later, I was the supervisor on nights. What a blessing that is to show that perseverance through tough times. I mean, there had been times where I would go outside and just cry out to God and say, why am I doing this? What's the point of this? The machine won't run. The people are cussing me out. They're walking out. They're leaving. What's the point of this? But here I stand today, brethren. Not because I need you to pat me on the back. I need you to pray for me. That's what I need you to do. Pray that I'll be better. Pray that I'll do things uh, uh, in, in the right way and not sin and not mess up. I don't need to be exalted. But what I'm saying is, here is David, and the, another example, doing the right thing. And Saul says, Therefore, may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. And then he says this, and now I know indeed that you shall surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. You're going to be the king. I know it. That's why I can't stand you. But right now at this point, Saul has this heart that he understands that David loves him. He really knows it deep down inside. He really knows that David cares about him because over and over and over, David behaves wisely. What an application for us today. No matter what you're going through, no matter what the struggle is, no matter how hard it is, continue to do the right thing and the Lord will bless you. I think one of the main points that I get from this whole chapter comes from verse 13. David, when he's talking to Saul, he says this. He says, as the proverb of the ancient says, wickedness proceeds from the wicked. Now think about that. When we think about wickedness, we think about terrible things, don't we? We think about murder and we think about uh, doing those really bad sins. But wickedness is anything that's contrary to God's Word. Wickedness is, is the littlest and the smallest thing. 
The way that we avoid being wicked, the way that we avoid uh, uh, doing things that are contrary to God's word is we have to understand that He is the Almighty and He makes the rules, first of all. The second thing is that we understand that we will struggle. And sometimes it's going to be a hard struggle. I can't tell you that that's not going to happen because that's just the way it is. But if you allow that struggle to shape and mold you without God, it will continue to attack you for the rest of your life. But when you put it in its place and you understand that you can make it through it with the Lord, then you start moving forward. And slowly but surely, it becomes something of the past. We see David eventually becomes the king. Saul eventually is going to die. It's eventually going to be over. But until that time, he has to hold on and believe that the Lord is going to be with him. And the Lord is going to be there for him. I want to close with this verse, John chapter 13. I kind of alluded to it this morning. And I've kind of been on it for a little bit talking about it, but I want to encourage you with this as you go out this week. John chapter 13, Jesus talking to the disciples just after He washed their feet. Thinking about this servanthood thought. John chapter 13, verse 13 says this, You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. It all goes back to a verse that I just can't let go. And I don't know why, but I can't let it go. James 4.10 says, If you will humble yourself to the Lord, He'll do what? He will exalt you. He will lift you up at the right time. You can be anything that you want to be if it's according to God's will. Amen? David struggled. David had a hard time. David is going to continue to have a hard way. And we're about done with the study of David. I probably got two more lessons that I want us to look at. But the one thing that David did, the one thing that he always put first and foremost, even when he sinned, was the Lord. And he repented. And he asked for forgiveness. And he made it right. 
Here he was causing all those priests to die. And what did he say? I have caused the death of those. He didn't make an excuse. He didn't shoot it off on somebody else. He was a man and he took it on himself to say that I did it. And when we can do that, when we have a true heart of repentance, then it changes our minds. It changes our life. But until we face it straight on and we accept what we've done and we ask for forgiveness and then move on, all we'll do is just dance around. We'll continue to dance around and we'll do like Saul. Oh, forgive me. I needed, I did wrong, but the people made me do it. If it wasn't for the people, then I would have made it. I would have done the right thing. I would have said the right thing, but, but they made me do it. We see David didn't do that when he was uh, when they asked him and they and they put him in this peer peer pressure situation. He cut the robe and then he asked for forgiveness, didn't he? He said, "I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done it to the anointed. I'll let God take care of that, and I'll just follow Him. And I know that what He does and what He says is the right way." Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling with some things. Maybe you're here today and you continue to struggle with things. Maybe you just can't seem to get it right. Today you can come forward. You, can, you don't have to come forward. You can do it right there where you're at. You can talk to the Lord and ask Him for forgiveness. You can ask uh, the people around you for prayers. Just like we talked about this morning, we have to be about loving each other. We have to be about being there for each other. We have to honestly care about each other. And that's when it changes. It changes the whole game. It changes the way we view life. It changes the way we view others. It changes the way we view our brethren because we see Jesus as the example. If you're here today and you need to become a Christian, Jesus said, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. If you need to repent of a sin that you're ashamed of, that people know about, that you need to make right, you can come and ask for forgiveness. If you need prayers, whatever you need, come right now together we stand and sing.